Thank you, Lord. Are you excited? I'm excited. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Thank you for what you're doing in this this house. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful presence. Your wonderful presence, Lord. Changing lives, changing hearts. In Jesus' name. Wow, you can take a seat. Thank you, Lord. It is our honor and privilege to welcome man of God, pursuer of God's word, and also a son of the house. Come on, let's put our hands together for Pastor Ayo. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's rise to earth. Just stay standing if you stood up. (laughs) For Jesus, amen. Oh, he's worthy. He's just beautiful. If you love Jesus in the house, just lift that hand. Just worship him. Just worship him. There's something about his presence. The song talks about what happens in the room where Jesus is. Talks about miracles healings, supernatural things that your mind cannot begin to frame because that's just who he is. He's not a dead God. He's not hanging on a cross somewhere in the Middle East. He's alive. Hallelujah. Today. And he's here. It's, you see, I was so excited. I didn't know what to do with myself. (laughs) Because those songs, man, those songs are power and they are spirit and they are life. Turn to your neighbor and say, uh, I'm thinking of what to say, but say, if you snooze, you lose. (laughs) Somebody's like, "Um, um, um, brother, 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 this is church. (laughs) But it's the truth. It's the truth. If you... If you blink too long, you can miss the move of God. If, if you allow yourself to be distracted for a twinkling of an eye, God might just happen. And you're like, wait, wait, what, what was that? So focus. It's like, like a laser. Laser focus on Him and Him alone. It's not about what's for lunch. It's not about the bills that need to go out this week. It's not about the, the sickness or, or, or the, the disease or discomfort in your body. It's not about the pain in your heart. You have to lay it all aside and focus on Him. Because that's what He's about. He focused on you so much, He died for you long before you were born. And it's, you see, the, 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 the powerful thing, the interesting, I can't stop marveling at God because it's not just words. It's not just words. It's power. It's life. I want to encourage you when you step into this place every single day, when you step into your, your, your secret room or your secret place or your, 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 your closet, as we used to call it way back in the day, you know, When you go into that spot where you commune with God and you pray, don't you dare go in there like it's just another day, like it's just another Sunday, like it's just another worship song, or it's just another service. Wow. Wow. I just got a couple of words as we were worshiping. Brother, can you just step forward, please? Can you come? I saw... um, Look, and I'll say something to you before I just minister. Um, what, what should you be doing when the Spirit speaks and drops a word of knowledge or a prophecy for someone else? One, you lift them up in the place of prayer. You stretch your hands. You speak in tongues. You bless. And I'll tell you what else you do. You believe in your heart. My time is coming. My time is now. You receive. Now, it's not a selfish or greedy thing where you're like, oh, wow, all that awesome word just for him. 
What about me? It's not woe is me. It's faith in your heart, alive. God, if you speak to him, you can speak to me. If you move for him, you can move for me. If you heal him, you can heal me. I saw you just pressing in, in the place of worship. Open heart, open arms, just with all the passion in your heart. And the picture I saw was the man Zacchaeus. Once upon a time, Jesus was coming into town. He was uh, uh, probably a little like myself, but uh, uh, vertically challenged. <laughs> and he jumped off on a tree. I must set my eyes on him. I must see him. He wasn't about, oh, Jesus must notice me. Get, just get that? It wasn't about Jesus must notice me. He was, I want freedom of sight, like sight on him. But Jesus noticed him, and Jesus noticed you. And I saw you. I saw you leading, leading like a, 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 a train of people. It's not a new thing God will do. It's what he did and set in place before you were born. I don't know about your journey. I don't know about your story. But I know that every single word God had, every single plan, His design, His purpose for you long before you were born are yes and they are amen in Christ. And I call it for the greatness in you right now by the Spirit of a living God. Thank you, Jesus. Not just about self. Not just about self. It's not about you, but the hundreds, the thousands. There's greatness in there. There's greatness in there. There's greatness in there. While we were singing still in worship, I saw a grandma, a nana, like you say, like we say. <laughs> you know, um, there's one of your sons or grandsons that the word I see is missing lost, missing. And it might not be a physical displacement or, or, or loss, but in the spirit, he's away. Quite possibly, you may not even know where he is, but you wake up night and day and your heart cries and weeps for him. Guess what? Jesus says he's coming home. Jesus says he's coming home. You know why? You need to understand how God moves. You need to understand how God moves. He is not bound by time. So when he has a thing to do or he says something, it doesn't mean he's just decided now because, oh, you clapped so hard, I'm going to just bless them. It's been his will long, long, long ago. So from the very minute that grandparent was praying, God heard. And he knew what he was going to do. And the word I'm bringing by the Spirit for you today <laughs> is that it is dawned already. Just rejoice. Rejoice. <laughs> Remember what I said? If you snooze, you might miss it. You know, the greatest revivals that, has, that have ever happened on the face of the earth there were those who got in the train of it, who got in the flow and positioned themselves. And there were those who kind of observed from afar. What are they all about? What's going on there? Oh, miracles, really? There were those who got in the flow and their lives never remained the same. And that's what's going on. You may not know, but in your midst, in this church, in this place, not just today, but you're in a season. You're in a season, and I encourage you, don't lose it. Young folk, don't lose it. Press in. No matter how much you've seen in God, there's more to him than you can ever, ever, ever exhaust. If you look at the young folk going over on the trip, and in your heart, you desire like, wow, I wish, you know, I wish that was one of my kids. I wish my kids would, you know, care about God and the things of God. Bless those kids. Bless these ones. Sow into them. Pray into their lives. And even on the physical, you know, hook them up, arrange them to be friends, to hang out, to come into those movie night. Oh, yeah, when I said hook them up, I didn't mean uh, 
Yeah, I meant like, yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Grab your seat. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Thank you, Jesus. You are worthy. His heart is for you. You know, you come to a place in faith and in your walk with God where you are. Um, sometimes life comes out of left wing, you know, and you, you can't place the things you read in the page, pages of Scripture, what God says about you and what you're seeing in the natural. You know, at behind all of that, you must tell yourself, you must come to a place where you believe and you're convinced in your heart, God's heart is on me. God's heart is on you. His love for you is endless. His love for you, His passion for you, you hear about movies and you talk about the passion of the Christ. It's, it's not about the, 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 the clouds and, and the earthquake and the things that shook and the miracles. It, it was about the people from day one. And that's how you can sit here today and know that God is about you. And all he has in you and all he has for you. I couldn't believe my ears when that song came up and we're talking about, you know, all my heart, you know, in, in devotion all my time, you know, all my everything. I want to talk to you today, I was going to say tonight, but today about discipleship. Not as a theory, not as a thing, but the heart of a true disciple. What does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to be a Christian? Why are you here today, right now? And, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, well, this is what we do as a family every Sunday, I get in the car. Go to church. Yeah, that's, honestly, that's why I'm here. No. But why are you here? Why do you believe? Who do you believe? Some of the questions we need to ask ourselves may mean the difference between uh, life and death. The difference between depression and clarity or peace. The difference between hope or despair. And I want to call you out. I want to call you, you know, out from tiredness. I want to call you out from being so relaxed about your faith. I want to call you out from being so, uh, you know, daily, just about, it's, it's just what we do. It's a cycle. There's a fire in your heart that might be, you know, blazing for God, or it might be just doing all right, or it might actually be like red coal, about to die. <laughs> God wants you blazing for him 24 hours every single day. And I'll start from here. I'll start from here. Now, I'm in a boarding house. I'm in a boarding school, boarding house, same difference. And there were some friendships we had that you kind of thought, look, I don't, I don't know what this is about, but I'm the only one giving in this friendship. I'm the only one giving in this relationship. Looks like I'm the one giving my time. I'm the one going the extra mile. I'm the one who cares. I'm, it's just me, 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 me. And you look at the other person, you know, and you're like, when are you going to step up? When are you going to, you know, reciprocate? When are you going to just value, you know, what I'm pouring into this friendship or into this business partnership or into this marriage? It's not a good place to be, is it? And it's not even as high sounding. Sometimes it might just be, look, you go out, to, to lunch or to coffee, and you're the one who swipes the card all the time. And once, once in a while, you're like, I'm, I'm not swiping nothing. Like, <laughs> you call them to step up to the plate because you expect more, don't you? It's a, it's a normal phenomenon of life. The question I have for you this morning is, where are you in the relationship with God? Now, we're talking about giving, but let's just do some grammar here. Past tense. God gave you his everything. Right? He gave you his life, his son. Everything for you. What have you given? What have I given? What am I giving? How am I living my life? You know the friend who never steps up and just keeps waiting to take and take and take? Sometimes I think that's who I am. Sometimes I think that's how I approach God. 
Because how many times do I go to him in the place of prayer and I'm all about him and, you know, just giving him the praise for praise sake and giving him the worship for worship sake without, a, you know, that thing at the back of my mind where I can't just wait to, you know, get past the tongues and tell you what I need. <laughs> I need you to move. I need you to heal. I need you to speak to me. I need you to open doors. I need you. I need you. I need you. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me more. It's time to step up. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, step up. Step up. The heart of discipleship, a true disciple is not one who sits and waits to be served. Yes, Jesus said, if you will be great, you must become a servant. But for the disciple, it wasn't about, they gave their all. Turn to Matthew in chapter 4. Just go to Matthew. If you have a Bible, if you have a phone, you can scroll to Matthew. Or it might come up there when I say where we're going. Matthew 4 and uh, verse 13. You know, Jesus Christ was led up to the mountain to be tempted. He was fasting 40 days, 40 nights. That's the background. I'll just zero in on the, on the verses where we're going. And after he had fasted 40 days, the devil came to him and tempted him. And he responded with the word three times, and said to the devil, get thee behind me, Satan. And as the devil left, Bible says that angels came and they ministered to him. Now he came down the mountain and as a, as a symbol that his ministry, his mission, his assignment, his purpose was, was starting to unfold. Guess what the first thing he did was? He looked around him for people who he could call to himself who would give their all and follow him and make a stamp on the earth that someone came through here. Matthew 4, verse 13 says, uh, Leaving Nazareth, he came to Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee, of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. The people who once were in darkness are filled with light, and upon those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. And it goes on to talk about how he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, they were going about their daily business, casting their nets to catch fish. And he walked up to them and said, this is verse 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Guess what the next verse says? Immediately. Right away. No delay. No excuses. Keep in mind, Jesus at that point was a stranger. Keep in mind at that point, they might have heard a little about him or whatnot, but this was their first encounter, and that is why Scripture says he saw two brothers and introduced them to us, Peter and Andrew. And he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and went with him. And their lives never remained the same. Their lives never remained the same. People say, oh, the first miracle Jesus did was he, he turned water into wine at the wedding in, you know, Cana. The first miracle Jesus did was he called two ordinary boys. And he turned their lives around. The first miracle Jesus did was he took people who you would class as nothing and he made them the, some of the greatest people that have walked the face of the earth that you and I read about today and you and I talk about. He went on, just a few verses down. He went on and he saw James and John. And he called them. When you read about the disciple John and some of you are like, oh, I, I love the gospel of John. I love the gospel of John. The disciple John that Jesus loved so much, at the point when Jesus was killed three and a half years later, John was still a teenager. He was still, he was the youngest of the disciples. So don't 
dare write off that son or daughter because they're going through a phase. Oh, it's the nasty, they're just, you know, like crazy teens. Don't dare write them off because Jesus took their lives and he made such beauty, such power, such change in the earth through them. Further down track, he calls, you know, eight others, all in total, about 12 of them. And every single time, the story remains the same. The greatest miracle that even I could be called from the backyards or the hinterland of Africa. Not too much to the family to be, you know, to boast about or splash in, you know, the media. Way back there, some ordinary young kid. And he called me and turned my life around. What's your story? Because that miracle is probably the longest living miracle he did. Because today, Jesus still calls people out of darkness. He calls people out of, out of despair, out of depression, out of sickness, out of nothingness, out of hopelessness. And he gives them life. Can give you life. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know, as, as we were singing that song, my, my, my heart was like, oh, wow. That's just the question, isn't it? In all the worship, we're in a move of God. I hear prayer, prayer, prayer is going around the clock and has been for months. And kids are praying and they get to the end of their shift. Wow, that's so beautiful. You know, you're so eager, you get up to work and you go for your shift. But there are people in this place who go to a prayer shift and pray their time. And they send a text and say, oh, wow, I'm done with my shift, but I'm still praying because the spirit, the spirit is not done. <laughs> wow. Mighty God. Today, it's not so much of head knowledge. It's not about what you know. It's not about what you, you think. It's, it's, I want to touch your heart because that's what, what, what God has on his heart is your heart. That miracle... I'm going to read a couple of verses in the book of John, and then I'll just run through and we'll pray. Because what God is set to do in Hawke's Bay, what God is set to do in New Zealand, what God is set to do through people who lay everything and follow him, you can't even begin to think. You can't even begin to imagine. John and 6. Turn your Bibles with me. Book of John and chapter 6. Still talking about disciples and how Christ worked with them, lived with them, and the outcome that you and I know. And we'll get to talking about where we are, like right now, where, where I'm, I am in my life and where you are in your life. Because that's exactly where God wants to meet you. He doesn't call you out of, you know, whatever is whatever your issues are. It's not about um, the, the work that is not going too well. It's not about the sickness. It's not about the, the addictions. It's not about the challenges. He's not saying, oh, come and be perfect, and then I'll work with you. He didn't tell the disciples to go, um, go, go cleanse themselves. After all, we know how fish, growing up, I never liked fish because of the, the, the smell. And I, we would literally cry every single time mom was like, oh, in the kitchen. And you start to, wow, it's fish. Like, Jesus didn't show up and be like, dudes, how long have you been around fish? Because something's fishy around here. <laughs> he didn't say, cleanse yourselves. Get better. You know, break out of whatever cycles. You know, in the family, second generation, third generation, not going too well. The same problems whether it's the violence or whether it's the lack of work or whether it's poverty, whether it's... He didn't say, come out of that, sort yourself out, and then let's see later, and I'll work with you. No, he called them exactly where they were. The message of the church needs to zone back into exactly what scriptures say and exactly what Jesus came to do. I'll tell you, the world out there is aching for grace. But you want them to set themselves right before you even go close. Or even if you do go close, you go close to tell them how bad they are so they can see how shiny and nice you are. You want to set them right before showing them the life of God or the love of God. How expensive is it? How hard is it to love? You know what Jesus said? He says, look, those who are well don't need a doctor. 
He didn't come to hang around the nice and shiny and fine and those who would lift hands and be excited about church and worship. He went to the darkest of places. The man Zacchaeus, who he, he saw and said, look, come down from the tree. Today, I'm having lunch at your house. That was a dude in town who people were like, look at him. He's just a tax collector, evil, corrupt, thief. Jesus didn't go to the high priest's house. He didn't go to a Pharisee's house to have lunch. He didn't go to the high and mighty. He said, Zacchaeus, as, as, as nasty as people talk about you, as, as I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care how many times you've failed. I don't care what you have in your heart because how can you even be saved if you haven't met me? But if I walk past and just ignore you, I'm leaving you exactly where you are. And that's what you and I do. It's easy to hang with the cool kids. It's easy at work to, to, to just... Zone closer to those you know, you know, they're Christian, they know God. And then lunchtime, you have lunch, you, you kind of, you keep those circles. But what about those who Christ came for? What about those who Christ came to save, who Christ came to touch? And I'll be fair, I'll be frank with you. New Zealand, what's the scope? The political, the cultural scope, the cultural history, the pain. I come from about the same place. You know, colonized by the British. The history is nasty. We don't like to talk about it, but it's real. And some of you sitting here today on both sides of the fence, I'm not talking, I'm just, let's leave it like that. <laughs> but I'm looking at you and like, oh, wow, okay, well, they're here, but it's all good. We'll just do our thing here in church, in, in the faith. I'll hang around with those who look like me, talk like me, live like me, and in church, we're all huggy and we're all family and brothers. And, but when I say church, I'm not talking about Bay City Church. Because in case you do, newsflash, um, you know how Cheyenne said, this is a homecoming and I'm a son of the house. This is home for me. This is home for us. My wife and I lived here when we got to New Zealand 2012. We were here for 12 years. This is our family. I look at these kids. I look at some of the not kids, those who are not kids and, you know, uh, on the older side of the, you know, the <laughs> And I see you, and I said to some of them when I said hi this morning, wow, you're stronger than the last time I saw you. You might be older than the last time I saw you, but you're stronger. And I look at these kids who were like, yeah, hi, when we got here, and they're this tall and right there beside me in worship, lifting hands and speaking in tongues and just loving on God. And it, it's so much delight. I'm so excited to see what God is doing. So when I say in the church, in the church, I'm not talking Bay City Church, but if it's in your heart, in here, you need to sort it out. Because we're huggy and we relate, but then when you're driving and some, you know, dude is just being nasty on the streets and, you know, I'm hanging out of the car and just feeling fly, and you're like, yeah, look at them. That's all they know to do. But in church, you're like, brother! <laughs> easy to profess love, but in your heart, easy to condemn, easy to judge, easy to look down at them through the you know, top of your nose. John and 6. John chapter 6. Once upon a time, Jesus was in the temple, and he was, you know, saying some things. And he told them, he said, look, if you will follow me, you must become one with me. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And, you know, the same way you're like, wait a minute, what, what did you just say? <laughs> like, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and you're like, ew. Bible says, let me tell you what some folks said after Jesus said that. He said there were many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, wow, this is so hard. Who can understand what this dude is talking about? Jesus knew in his heart that they were complaining. They were wondering, like, okay, I've followed this guy this long, but right now I think there's something going on. There might be some, you know, cuckoo birds, you know, like talking to this guy. Drink your What? And Bible says that if you look at verse, um, they complain to him, and in verse 66 of John chapter 6, Bible says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Hearing the hard truth about what Jesus came to do, some of them couldn't handle it. Some of them were like, nah, I'm, I'm out of here. So you see, it's easy to be called Christian. But the Christian is the one, the true Christian is the one who walks with Christ 
all the way. It's easy to be called disciple. I'm a disciple. I go to church. It's easy. There were lots of them. Sometimes there were 70 disciples. Some other times there were 120 who stuck with him for many months and seasons, and they traveled everywhere with him. But in the midst of the 70 and the 120, there was the 12 that were the closest to him. So when Bible says that some of the disciples stopped hanging out with him from that day, it wasn't talking about James and John and Peter and Andrew and the rest of them. He was talking about those on the outside, on the fringes. If you stay on the fringe of your faith, if you stay on the fringe of your walk with God, if you stay on the fringe of what God is doing in this place, a time will come where life will throw a curveball at you and you would say, Jesus, I'm done. And you walk away. Because you were just, you were, you were dancing around on the fringes, but you didn't step right in to what God was calling you into. Some of you have a heart that longs for Him, but there are just some parts of the word and some part of this faith thing that you're like, nah, that's just too hard. Let's not go there. But you must, what did they do? They left everything and they followed him. And then Jesus turned, when, when he noticed that some folks left and stopped hanging out with him, stopped living with him and stopped, you know, listening to his teachings, he turned to his disciples, the 12, and he said, oh, are you guys still here? <laughs> Why don't you go? Just haven't you kind of left with everyone else? You know what Peter said? He says, where are we going to go? Let's read it. Let me show you. He says, where are we going to go? That's verse 68. Simon Peter answered the Lord and said, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We don't have anywhere we're going. There's nothing to turn back to. I've shut that door, burnt that bridge. It's gone in the past. I'm with you all the way. And you must get to that place where you're with Jesus, in Jesus, all the way. Not just when it's working. Not just where the prayers, when the prayers are getting answered overnight. Will you be with Jesus when it takes months and years for the healing to come? Will you hang with Jesus, believe in him all the way? Because that's what the heart of disciples are. Let's look a little closer at what he, Peter is saying here. You need to understand that when Jesus was on the earth in, in Jerusalem and Nazareth and Capernaum and going about his work and the ministry, the work God had sent him to do, um, the round and about in town, there was what they call rabbis, spiritual or religious teachers who would talk about the, 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 the Old Testament and the, the ancient writings, and they would talk so much. They were known for their knowledge and wisdom, and, and there were lots of, they had disciples too, students who would attach themselves to them like an apprenticeship and follow them wherever they went and sat at their feet and listened to them and asked them questions, just wanting to learn everything this wise dude had to say. So there were thousands or hundreds of rabbis in Jesus Christ's day. Once upon a time in scriptures, you'd hear, oh, the disciples of John came and asked him a question. Or the followers or the disciples or some Pharisees came and asked him questions. But for those guys, it was about knowledge. They wanted to learn so much, draw so much from the rabbi so that they would graduate after a while. And then they can go be rabbis with their own disciples, their followers. And they, they make their life out of that apprenticeship and they go do their thing. So when Peter was saying to Jesus, to whom will we go? He was saying, of all the rabbis, of all the teachers, of everyone around here, you are the one who carries power. You are the one who has life. You are the one who speaks and the dead come alive. Where else will we go? Hallelujah to Jesus. And I wrote here, I said, as long as you keep your options open, as long as you keep the back door open, as long as you have a plan B, you will not see 100% of God. As long as you have a, a, a detour, or you have, you know, you, you've kept like a back pocket kind of like safe for a rainy day, you know. You, you, you came into faith, you came into church, but you kept some contacts out there, you know, in, in that gang, or you kept some contacts out there in that old workplace, or you kept some contact in that old life. Dudes used to hang out and drink together at uni, you know, who, they're doing well with their lives, you know, they're kind of making it in life, and maybe they run their own companies, and you're like, yeah, I don't agree with everything that you do, but I'll just keep that link. So if this Jesus thing doesn't work out, if life gets too hard, I know I can 
can pick up my phone and just hook up with you, you know, reconnect with you again. If you keep the back door open, you will never experience the 100% of all God has for you. You need to dive in. And that's exactly what Peter was saying. They left fathers. They left families. They left work. They left everything. And you're like, okay, well, that's then. This is now. I'm a student. Are you saying to drop out of uni? I'm, I'm a, I have a job. Are you saying to, to just go in tomorrow and quit? Well, I, I'm going to work tomorrow. <laughs> and I don't intend to quit when I get there. <laughs> so ex how exactly do we take this heart of God and the desire he has for us to, to be all about him and Yes, please, you can start the play. Yep. How, how do we take all of that and translate into my today? How do we translate all these into actually connecting with the heart and the power of Jesus Christ in fellowship and worship as a disciple? Because the world out there is depending on you. I started saying earlier about the country, the, the, the New Zealand and, 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 and the, the youth, the young adults or, or the, the, the people who are just loitering, walking around every single day and you can see in their eyes. I see it and it breaks my heart. Everything looks good. But a second glance, just look a little deeper than the all good, bro. Just look a little deeper and you will see the pain. Look a little deeper and you will see the cry for help. Look a little deeper and you will see the sensing that, look, I, I have the power to make a change in this life. I have a power to, 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 I have the power to, to bring transformation in my class. Once upon a time, a couple of years ago, there was, we, we went along with Pastor Mike to Kaurau, just on the coast, about, you know, Rotorua area, that bay of, uh, what's it called? Bay of Plenty. And isn't life just funny? It's social, socioeconomically, it's one of the hardest parts, you know, of a country, and it's the Bay of Plenty. But there was a move that broke out there. There was a move that broke out there like, like wildfire. And the beautiful thing about it in that church was that it wasn't the parents, it wasn't the pastors. It wasn't the people, the, the adults, those who were driving the work. The people who caught the fire the most was the little kids. And they were talking about, and I mean, this was like 2014 or 15 or something, and, and they were talking about primary school kids who would pray with their teachers before lunch. I'm not saying, oh, bless this food and stop. Who would lay hands on their teachers and pray for healing, and healing would happen. They had a week-long program or something, and after the program, they were like, look, whatever God is doing, it's not done. So let's just come back here tomorrow morning. And day after day, it went for months. And they were meeting every single night and just worshiping. The pro there wasn't even a plan. It was just, let's just come and worship, sit with God and see how he moves. And kids in the streets, kids in the streets would pray with friends who maybe fell and broke or twisted an ankle and hold the ankle and pray and instantly the ankle twists back healed parents violence was dropping off like like ripe fruits you know on the tree over just dropping off violence domestic violence alcoholism drugs they were seeing the reality of transformation. It's easy to read it, and you're like, yeah, it's good, but it's from that book that I don't even understand how you said it came about. It looks like a book like every other book, but you're telling me it is the Word of God. Now, I'm saying people saw with their very eyes. They had a cop. They had a cop in that town, a, a policeman, who was like a youth social, you know, the guy responsible for the youth in town because it, you know Kawarau. Dude saw the pastor once upon a time and he looked at the pastor. He said, I don't know what you're doing, but you're about to get me out of a job. Because I can't remember the last time I had to lock up a kid. I can't remember the last time I had to take a child and take him back to, to his parents because he was drunk and asleep in the park. The town was changed. Because once upon a time, some folk decided that, look, I'm not just going to dance around the fringes and the edges and just appear cool to be a Christian and sing and raise my hand and give my five bucks. I'm going to dive right in and stay there till I die. <laughs> Where shall we go? Who are we going to turn to? Have you come to that place? 
You know, it's interesting because some of us, you know, you've walked with God 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. You've sacrificed. This is your story I'm talking about, how you gave everything. Do you know, we've heard how that some, the, the, a group of couples who started this church came together and when it was time to build or purchase the building you're sitting in today, some kind of, they, they sold their homes. They refinanced their homes. They sold their homes. They gave all. Pastor Mike moved from Danivek sacrifice like you can't even begin to think and that's why today you're here and there's worship and there's the word and there's there's lives changed because some people pay the price now if that's you and that's your story the long journey yes you've been on the road with him I want to ask you again just just one more thing if you will there's no such thing as the sunset years in Christ. You can turn all through scriptures. There's no such thing as the, the dusk of, of your faith. There's no such thing as retirement in God. There's no such thing. Check the scripture. How many people have you seen who, when Moses walked with God and, and, and God spoke to him and said, you're not going to see the promised land and all of that, it was because he had come to the end of his life. So there's no such thing as, well, I've done my bit. I'll just step back now and let these younger ones do it. Because God still has a place and a role and a mission for you that no one else can fit into like you. Some of you just starting out, you don't even know. And I'll tell you, they talked about it. There's a course for those who are new in the faith. Just come into Christ. What, where would you be? Why won't you be there? The next course. Get in there. And as they were announcing it, I heard loud and clear in my spirit, some of you who have been in the faith need to hook up with that thing and go right there. Because you know what the Spirit said to the church in Ephesus? He said, look, I have a grievance with you. I have an issue with you because you've forgotten your first love. Once upon a time, it was all about me, all about God. There was nothing too hard, too high, too big for you to do for me. But now you're, 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 you're cruising. You're just cruising. You're, 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 you're coasting. And Jesus is calling you back into the depth of himself. He's calling you. Let's rise to our feet. Let's rise to our feet. Words of life. Words of life, my word, Jesus, so real, an encounter, an engagement, a time with God that changes your everything. Wow, wow. Now as you heard those words, as you heard those words, the Spirit of the living God it's like a second a different conversation was going on in your mind in your heart the question is what is he asking of you today yes he's calling you deeper he's calling you to reconnect he's calling you to come away by yourself and sit with him but what is he asking you to do yourself so I can't help you there but you have his spirit in, in your heart if you do some of you, you know exactly what he's asking you to do. That relationship or that connection or that habit or that hobby or that life he's calling you to step out of. Are you willing? Are you willing today? Are you willing? Are you willing to cast away your nets? Are you willing immediately to drop it aside and follow him? No one ever followed him and regretted it in the pages of scripture. No one ever walked with him and turned around and said, yeah, actually, I'll just go. Anyone who did was not in 100%. Thank you, mighty God. A calling forth. Step out of your comfort zone. Step out of ease. Shai, you know, was saying earlier about how they've come into the year with a heart of giving. And how they prayed and asked God to show them places and things to do, people to bless. You know, Bible says that unless 
you lose your everything. You cannot follow me. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains an ordinary seed. But the minute you plant it, the minute you plant the seed, it brings a harvest. You know, it's so easy to have that picture of your future good life. Your future good life. When the kids are good, probably married and off, and you have the grandkids and the mortgage is paid and you're healthy and it's just the two of you, the picture of your good future. It's so easy to hang everything on that. And that's what you're chasing after. And that's what you're chasing after. Newsflash, sometimes people never get there. There are people who chase it and chase it and chase it their whole life. And they miss the season. They miss the work God has for them. They miss all that he's calling them into. Don't miss God. Don't miss the heart of God. He's calling you. And like that seed, it's when you sacrifice that you have a harvest. It's when you give that you receive. It's when you go all in, wow, that you reap the heart of God. If you don't know him in this place, if you've heard about him, you've heard about Christ, you've been here once or twice in and out, but you know in your heart of hearts right now, right now, that you're not 100%. You've not come to a point where you've given your heart and your life to him. This is your time. This is your time. And for some of you, when I talked about first love, it was like a pound of, of, of weight hit your heart because you know and the Spirit has been saying to you, come back home. Come back home. Come back home. This is your time. Today, no delay. No delay. There's nothing, nothing in this life that compares to the beauty of following Jesus. There's nothing that compares to the beauty of knowing that your life is good in His hands. Let's just close. All eyes closed. I just want to speak to those who need to make a decision right now. Those who need to make a decision right now, right here. All eyes closed. If that is you, if that is you and you know, I just want you first and foremost, just lift a hand, just slightly, gently above your head and say, I'm coming home today. He stands at the door, he knocks, he never gives up. In this world, we have, you know, friends, parents, sometimes even the closest to us don't exactly reflect the nature of God. So when we say God is a father, don't, don't necessarily look to your earthly father and compare. Some have failed us. Some of us, you know, you've grown up fatherless. Whether in the real sense of the word or spiritually, no head, no guide. If that is you, I want you right now, just come, just make your way up front. He's here for you. It's all about him and it's all about what he wants to do for you and with you and in you. So if you're saying, Lord, I want to give you my heart today. I want to come home. I want to come home. I encourage you just as you raise the hand, thank you. I see those hands. I see those hands. It's not too late. Not too late to make that call. Make that choice right here, right now. I'll just encourage you. All eyes are closed. But just make your way up front and we'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. Just come up, come up, come up, come up, come up. That's why. That's why we're here. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. Yes, let's celebrate them. They're here. They're here. Thank you, Jesus. I encourage you, just come up. And we'll pray. And I saw you. I, you know, my eyes weren't closed. So I, <laughs> I saw you. Jesus knows you. He wants you. And that's why he gave his everything. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Now, I'll just have the, the leaders and, and prayer team.
just come and support them. But I'll just lead in a simple, simple prayer. And if you're out there and you know you, you've felt the pull, but for whatever reason, you're still there in the bleachers, in the seats, and, and you've, you've not come forward. Guess what? God knows you. He's your father. He has your heart. So as we pray, you know, just say the prayer. Just say the prayer and say after me. Dear God, I come to you today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I've strayed away from you. But by your cross, by the blood of Jesus, I come home today. I believe in you and I receive you. Thank you, Lord, for I'm your child and you're my father. In Jesus' name, thank you, mighty God. Rejoice, church. Rejoice, church. Rejoice, church. Bless God. Bless God. Bless God. Bless God. And as I said, I want, I want the prayer team, the, if you're a leader in the house, just step out right now and let's minister to them and pray with them. Just lay hands and connect in the spirit and speak as the Holy Ghost gives you utterance. Thank you, Jesus.